Welcome back to New Rockstars. Rick and Morty, season five, episode one, just raced through over a dozen stories in a rapidly unfolding Narnia pocket dimension in the span of time that Rick dined with the two sexy Mr. Nimbus and Morty missed yet another shot with Jessica by turning her into a time god. We are foregoing the more family-friendly versions of this question that we ask on Inside Marvel. Instead, just ask, what, what the, the f***? This is Rick Explained, our Rick and Morty after show where we overthink Rick and Morty because that is the only true way to consume it. Uh, yes. My Easter egg breakdown will be uh, coming out tomorrow of all the details that you missed here. I am with Rick and Morty superfan, co-survivor of Fitness Origins, and aggressive Nintendo 69 user, Tommy Bechtold. That's right, you should try Wave Race on that thing. It is <laughs> insane. You keep trying to push me onto Wave Race on Nintendo 69. I'm not gonna do it. Welcome I, I... to Wave Race. That's my impression of that guy as well. You did it. Uh... <laughs> so encouraging and wholesome. Yes, except for um, in this case, it's 69 in you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tommy, let's recap what happened this episode. It would be my honor. <laughs> what a ride. <laughs> Morty makes a date with his paramour, Jessica, and escapes death by crash landing in the ocean, disrupting a past treaty between Rick and his sexy, sexy nemesis, Mr. Nimbus. Mr. Nimbus controls the cops, which of course, of course he does. Because <laughs> he's not? an ocean-bound creature. <laughs> Rick sends Summer to find the shell that empowers Mr. Nimbus while he negotiates a new treaty. Mr. Nimbus propositions Beth and Jerry for a threesome, and they are more than down. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Rick makes Morty quickly age wine in a pocket dimension in which time moves faster, just like Narnia. <laughs> but Morty's date with Jessica just can't ever get going because he accidentally starts a war with the Hoovy race that spans several generations. And I'm sorry that I'm laughing through all of this, but this episode was just so damn it's funny. So bonkers. Oh yeah. my God. <laughs> Jessica finally gets sucked into the portal and Morty and Rick get saved by Mr. Nimbus. Jessica's time in the dimension turned her into a time god, not to be confused with a time lord, which is something only nerds right. care about, who is no longer interested in Morty. Rick gets arrested. <laughs> but the real story went down in the Narnia dimension. We're going to break down exactly what happened in that dimension. Yeah, uh, before before we get to that, if you like our Rick and Morty coverage and all the other content we make here at New Rockstars, one of the best ways you can support us is to check out our merch at newrockstarsmerch.com. We have a line of exclusive Loki-inspired merch based on the hit Disney Plus show. We've got buttons and hats, five different t-shirt designs. Off-screen producer Zach literally bought one for each of his cousins, mm. uh, those lucky kids. Support this channel and get yourself some cool swag you won't find anywhere else by going to newrockstarsmerch.com. But Tommy, what is our first question? So Eric, 
this is one that only you, the master of all breakdowns, can break down for me. And I knew as soon as I watched it, I had to hear your opinion. <laughs> what is the Narnia Dimensions full historical timeline? <laughs> yes, so much happens here. And the yes. animators just pack so much in there and we fly through it. So it's worth kind of looking at each because there are several arcs that happen in there. And it's also well written. They mm. actually crammed... 14 generations of story arcs in the background of this yeah. episode. Uh, and the writer of this episode is this guy, Jeff Loveness, someone you actually know, right, Tommy? Yes, Jeff is an old friend of mine. He used to work for Jimmy Kimmel, uh, and he wrote many of the uh, Star Wars sketches that I was lucky enough to be in. And he's also yeah. an improviser and a very funny comedian. Very funny guy. Also, I think according to you, he grew up with a pretty devout Christian upbringing. Yes. yes. He talks about that a lot on Twitter, growing up and going to Bible camp. and Yeah. Yeah. So, and if you went to Bible camp or went to Bible school, you may yeah. know the number 14 is very significant because uh, 14 generations separate Abraham to David, and then 14 separate David to the carrying out to Babylon, and then from there to the birth of Christ. And then, like, the New Testament is, like, pretty proud of that. Like, mm -hmm. I think it's the, the gospel according to Matthew who's just like, so we have 14, 14, and 14. Pretty cool, huh? So, like, that number 14, every Christmas mass is just shoved down your throat oh, to be yeah. like, okay, numerology, I guess, is important. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's interesting that the number 14 shows up here because from the perspective of this race of people in the pocket dimension, Morty is this kind of wrathful Old Testament <laughs> god that ruined Generation 1, who's kind of an Abraham figure, who has a horrible relationship with his son, who's an Isaac figure. Uh, and then it spawns this whole history that would lead to this society wrapping itself around this demonic figure, this deity, uh, first to overthrow him, and then ultimately to study him and learn from him, much like how our society is pretty obsessed with the deity whose whole existence is debated, you know, mm -hmm. by many people in society. Uh, right. And to be clear, we're not injecting religion into this, because Rick himself calls us out at the beginning of the episode. He makes fun of C.S. Lewis's religious parallels in the Chronicles of Narnia, saying he's not a beaver who believes in Jesus Christ. <laughs> And then admits it is an Arnia thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then Jessica, by the end, evolves into a time god. So mm -hmm. it's like, they're, they're, Rick and Morty is, at its core, about like what happens if a god had the personality of Rick, you know? Mm. So, uh, Tommy, I'm going to quickly break down each generation, each of all these right. 14, just so you can kind of get a sense of the stories that happen within each of these and how they're all connected. Love so it. we start with... Uh, the farmers, uh, Hoovy and Bova. Hoovy's voiced by Jim Gaffigan, right? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, they're just simple farmers living a peaceful life. She's uh, got a baby on the way. They're watching over these crates of wine that have just sat there for decades undisturbed uh, from their point of view. Uh, and then Hoovy just spends maybe a few moments with Morty and C-137 uh, to give him uh, this advice. And then he leaves his home dimension behind for several years in their time. So that brings us to Generation 2 when Hoovy returns years later to find his wife dead and then his son Japheth stabs him out of anger over the abandonment and then in his dying breaths Hoovy blames Morty mm. this this child from the door um <laughs> So then, uh, jump ahead to Generation 3, Japheth is like, and I know I'm saying generations where it's the same people, but it is like the different eras of time. So we mm. can see how time has passed and how they've like changed things in the background. Mm -hmm. And in this case, Japheth has just let this farm go to ruin because he's just been driven by revenge and rage. And he's this jacked old man. Yes. <laughs> I love Morty's line there. Why is every old man jacked? Um, and in that fight, he knocks out a tooth, which is important. 
Uh, so Morty flees, but then he goes, you know what, whatever. And he goes right back in. But time again has passed. We're in Generation 4. Japheth is now an elderly man, and you can see how his life has changed because that fight with Morty, you can see since and he's, re- he's let go of it, his farm is thriving. Mm. It's, uh, it's sunny. The crops are planted. The tree is now beautiful. Um, but he's just uh, by himself. He's got this eye patch over his eyes. Uh, but Morty beats the crap out of him. Uh, and then he's got these three sons, which, you know, that would be Hoovy and Bova's grandsons. Mm. Um, and then just to honor their father's dying wish, they uh, claim vigilance. They swear this blood oath. Uh, and they dedicate their lives to building this weaponized fortress in order to attack Morty if he were to ever return. Mm-hmm. And notice that um, the one in purple has this weird-looking bird. Mm-hmm. A bird that comes back. Because <laughs> Jeff Loveness is apparently obsessed with birds. As yes. I so now we come back Generation 5, where the three sons are now old men who are rulers over this kingdom. And Morty shows up real quick. They release the, the weapons, and then they think he's dead. Uh, and then you see the king in purple get hugged by a little girl. She mm. comes back later uh okay so generation six uh so now we're years later and the three uh brothers are even older but they're continuing to force their kingdom to be vigilant at the expense of the kingdom's other resources because you can see people are kind of pissed off they're like this is a myth Mm -hmm. this is a legend it's not even gonna happen you just made up the story uh and then specifically one of the other king's sons the king in green he like accuses them of the superstition this would be Hoovy's great-grandson the original with Jim Gaffigan one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, so that kid gets banished and the sorcerer befriends them. <laughs> and then we see a transition into Generation 7 where that kid grows up uh, under the tutelage of the sorcerer who like trains him in dark magic. <laughs> <laughs> he puts leeches on him. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, and then you see during the, this uh, training, two of the three brothers have passed away, leaving just his father left alive. Uh, and then that sorcerer leads him back into a rebellion uh, the kid kills his dad, but then the sorcerer stabs him in the back, and then Morty just returns, and everyone's like, oh my god, we were wrong. Uh, Morty blows up the castle, but he leaves, he tosses behind carelessly a tech gauntlet, and he's found by, now I think, I think, I think, I think this is a grown-up version of that young girl who hugged the Purple King. Yes. And if that is the case, that is his daughter, that would make her cousins to this, uh, rebellion, this rebel, mm-hmm. and make her Hoovy's great-granddaughter. Mm-hmm. So we're still in the bloodline here, I think yes um so then we see her lifted up generation eight we come back years later with this girl now an older woman is leading this technologically advanced society and she trains her son named adam who if she is related that would make who that would make him Hoovy's great great grandson we're still mm. in the bloodline uh, and he says he is a traveler <laughs> yes <laughs> which is great uh and he his uh, mission is to assassinate morty and they run these simulations in this x-men style danger room which is just great mm-hmm. um and we see how the society has evolved with their iconography their banners their flags to be obsessed with this demonic version of morty with horns and he's mm. kind of this devil figure to them um and in the background you can see that she possesses what to them would be relics but they're samples of Morty's hair and that one knocked out tooth Mm. it's kind of floating there so then we go on to generation 9 where Adam is now a hardened adult uh, and he wears this suit that is pumped it looks like with the life force of three others they just (laughs) sacrifice 
They drain the other three into yeah. it. Oh, no. And then he pumps his suit full of that uh, so that he can live. It. He thinks that he needs that so that he can live in this other reality. Mm. And uh, he goes in the portal. He attacks everybody. But then Jessica uses the uh, wine opener to cut the tether. And it causes him to chaotically de-age into a baby, age of an old man. It's a lot like Scott Lang in Avengers Endgame mm. when they're experimenting. Uh, and then Adam just goes into this weird trippy portal through time where he meets this cosmic bird at the end of time on a dying tree he's just like mother <laughs> it's, just, it's just so beautiful and tragic yes um and then uh adam kind of basically plops out of existence uh and then jessica gets sucked back into the portal mm. um so then sometime later we find out after this generation 10 jessica is basically the object of a uh, these bickering authorities that are left over and they freeze jessica in this crystalline state uh, and then behind them, I love this, you can see murals depicting all the past leaders. So you have uh, Bova, mm-hmm. Hoovy was erased from their history, basically because they're pissed off at him for abandoning them. Right. Uh, and then uh, the son, Jafet, and then his three sons, also the bird, is still there. <laughs> and I think this bird is definitely important to the society. Yeah. And then uh, their son, uh, the son who rebelled against them, mm-hmm. and then Adam and his mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the full bloodline there. Generation 11 is throughout Jessica's montage, she witnesses the society falling into a brutal war. Mm -hmm. Uh, Generation 12, Jessica witnesses the society inventing artificial intelligence. Big mistake. Mm -hmm. That leads to Generation 13. The AIs have now slaughtered their creators, their skulls on pikes, and they're overseen (laughs) by these cyberpunk birds. (laughs) Which I just have to think must be a derivative the way like societies evolve over time and just symbols change meaning and the AIs think like this was important to us. Uh, And then they take that king's bird the iconography and then that becomes the bird overseers of this ai race absolutely (laughs) uh and then that brings us to the final generation we see generation 14 where morty returns to find what he thinks will be his future self in this white void at the end of time tending to a tree and then what they call a stripped down uh sundance sci-fi yes Which is what? Like, that's Annihilation or yeah, uh, Tree and, of Life or uh, something what was, like what, that. what was the fountain, maybe? or the, Oh, or... the yeah, yeah, the fountain, yeah. Oh, so great. Um, and uh, because you know the Rick and Morty writers are like, oh, so basically just like one of our subplots in any given episode of Rick and Morty, if we were to just stretch that out to 90 minutes, that could be a Sundance movie. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's all a simulation, uh, and actually, the reason I call this a separate generation is the AI scientist who talks to Morty says that it has been centuries mm. since the AI race has begun, so that's at least one generation, but you know, right. dozens, really. And then this society ends by getting wiped out by a flood mm. from Nimbus, which, there's a Noah parallel there. Right. Am, am I wrong? No, like, of that's, course. And for this society to just get wiped out by a simple Old Testament Bible right. uh, disaster. Just a biblical disaster, for sure. It's full circle. Yeah. Uh, and it ends up spawning this new god, this time god of Jessica in, <laughs> in the universe. So, I don't know, Tommy, am I wrong? Is this the most like storytelling we have seen in the background of a Rick and Morty episode? I mean, it was just an insane, like... The detail and yeah, I don't, I can't think of another one. I mean, obviously, what was the the train? The um, yeah, the story train the story in four hundred six. Tales but, from the Citadel had four different storylines. Yeah, but but still. like 
spanning yes. you know centuries this and was each that, of these things if you look into them you can see like the game of thrones style like revenge plot mm-hmm. the redemption plot for I, the, the sorcerer being like doing doing the classic like evil mentor like people always like whatever yeah. reject <laughs> others who think differently <laughs> like just right, right whatever right. the line was but it was like oh uh-huh. my god this is so perfect because it's just this race of cow humanoids <laughs> that are all yeah Although the stakes are so low, it's just like the guy yeah. went to help Morty carry a heavy case of wine and it <laughs> caused all of this. Oh, so uh, funny. But I think it just speaks to the themes of the episode of like Jessica feeling like she's an object in the background, but that being more important than the storyline that's happened. Like all of this just takes place in the blink of an eye to characters like Rick, who are just having this debate with Nimbus, and what we think is going to be the episode, this awkward interaction with this sexy Ocean King, mm-hmm. uh, is really the B-plot yeah. of this other story involving this Narnia gate, yeah. which I think is such a fun... It reminded me a lot of the... Uh, did you watch The Boys? Or not The Boys, what am I thinking? Invincible on Amazon. Yes. Um, where they have a similar... The Flaxen yes. race that isn't in a time-dilated dimension. Yes. Um, it's but the fact that they just explore. I think this Rick and Morty episode was written before, uh, maybe not the the Invincible comics, but no. But yeah, episode, I imagine you know. this was probably written a couple of years ago, right? Or, yeah, like clearly Narnia is the, the time dilation of like what you think is a fun storybook dimension right. just gets so dark. <laughs> just <and> gets, <laughs> everything gets so messed up. Oh my god, so good. Uh, This isn't the first time we've seen, like with the microverse, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a similar kind of thing of another pocket dimension taking place in Rick's world. It just kind of puts everything on a new scale. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think it's fascinating just to watch how much story can be unfolded in this amount of pace. For sure. Uh, It was almost like them running victory laps in terms of story structure. For, For sure, for sure. Well, we have some other questions we want to ask about what this means. Like, why poor Morty getting his first kiss with Jessica? Why he can't lock <laughs> yeah. it down? Uh, and whether that will ever be the case. Uh, first, we want to thank some people who helped us make this episode, starting with our friends at Blue Chew. Uh, Blue Chew has a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so no doctor's office or pharmacy trips. It ships right to your door in a discreet package. You sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you receive your prescription within days. Their licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength. And if you hate swallowing pills, good news, Blue Chew is chewable, just like it says in the name. So if you could benefit from some extra confidence when it's time to perform, visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we've got a special deal for our audience. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code RICKSPLAIN at checkout. Just pay the $5 in shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code Rixplain to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. We thank Blue Chew for sponsoring this show. Uh, this episode also is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? Well, we've all been there at some point. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. Start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line or self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available for clients worldwide. You just log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room or look for parking. Uh, BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling. Financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit BetterHelp.com slash RickSplained. That's Better H-E-L-P and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced 
professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Special offer for the Rick'splained audience. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash Rick'splained. All right, Tommy, back to the episode. I, I wanted to ask you, so Jessica's a time god. Do you think that's canon now? Do you think Morty could ever have a chance with her? Might he have more of a chance with her now that she's a time god? I... I was thinking about this. I wonder, I mean, her last interaction was with that creepy guy kind of like uh, cat calling her. Right, right. And she kind of snapped out of it a little bit, right? Like she kind of, didn't she like tell him to f*** off or something? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So she's so still was, a person. It, you know, right. But it, it seemed like she's, the way she was speaking before with this new like kind of grandiose cadence and like, you know, like I have seen all now. And mm -hmm. like, so I, I guess I, my question is. I think it's funnier if she is. I mean, in my opinion, if she continues right. to be a time god. I have a feeling, my prediction with how Jeff Loveness is as a writer, that he may want this season to connect a little more, you mm -hmm. know, and maybe be a little more, you know, not just every episode is its own thing. I don't know. That may anger Rick and Morty fans that just want it to be random funniness all the time. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think the I, I hope she is. I guess my answer is I hope she is. And, and will Morty yeah. ever have a chance with her? I think he's going to continue to have near misses with her because that's like the tortured, you know, we can't ever give him what he wants. But he's going to, I yeah. think he's going to continue to go in. Like they may need her as a time god to fix something. And that may cause Morty to continue to try to make inroads. But I, I don't, I, I think he'll always have a chance and he'll never succeed. <laughs> I like, there was a lot of griping online about like, Morty not like after kissing Jessica like why do we have another episode where Morty can't end up with Jessica it's like that's the nature of the sitcom like right. you know if you need to have characters constantly get frustrated and I yes. think this was the funniest way yet to see Morty get frustrated by not having a chance you basically turn her into a god you know yes. like, I think that was so funny that whole monologue but yeah I wonder if it's just like a lot of us watching this show have been romantically frustrated and mm -hmm. we just wanted that win for Morty I we know well up. yeah you know happy endings but that's not what this show is about <laughs> yeah Jessica's not like this is the most fully fleshed out as a character she's been yes. like Morty has had uh plenty of pretty disgusting sexual uh moments with other characters mm -hmm. uh i'm just thinking of when he humped that robot again mm -hmm. and again and oh, created yeah. gazorp gazorp yes uh but like <laughs> but that's like you know i i think morty can get wins in plenty other ways that yes. are more satisfying to see rather than he just scores his you know yeah. school crush I wanted to ask Tommy, do you mm -hmm. think that Narnia dimension is uh, connected to the other dimensions of the Rick and Morty universe? Because the portals are different, right? You have yeah. the green swirling portals. This one's like its own weird per portal. Yeah, it's like almost like a yeah. door. Like it's like <laughs> like he made right. he made like an interdimensional doorway, which I guess is what a portal is. But the portals are so like iconically those green portals in Rick and Morty. So that he kind of made this was like a. Um, did you see uh, in the Modoc uh, uh, cartoon the, the when he had the time traveling thing? It was like that yeah. cut doors like that. I don't yeah. know if they're connected. I would assume if they were, then one of the plot points would have been the superior, you know, technology made contact with other dimensions. You know what I mean? There would have been like a we have reached like you know they would have done they would have done a like a callback to another interdimensional being that Rick and Morty have crossed to, you know, like we found these people, but so mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't think it is. I think it's just a standalone little pocket dimension. 
Agreed. Yeah, I think that's that's why they didn't make it its own thing. They want it to be its own little reality contained within, like the microverse. And I think the idea is that we're learning new rules every episode of the show. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, we learn that Rick has a nemesis, that Rick can't go on the ocean. You think back, it's like, I guess we haven't really seen Rick on the water. Right. <laughs> you touched before. the ocean. <laughs> yeah. And it's and, only because it rebounded off of a palm tree. <laughs> right, I know, I know. And it's like... Uh, I think we saw the in the Rick Lantis mix-up, season three, episode seven, right? Mm-hmm. Where that all happened off screen. Mm-hmm. And I think it was going to be more of an episode or it was a relic of a cut episode, according to Jeff Loveness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we get a reference to that now, that maybe that conflict is what led uh, to the latest stakes between the two of them. Right. Uh, so that they have to have. But what I'm getting at is that there are always new rules. And I think one new rule now is there are other ways to do dimension hopping in the show other than what we've seen. Yes. But they're only contained within the dimension that you're in. You know? Right. Uh, so like, but it also says there may be other ways other than there's like this time dilated one. There's this, the microverse battery. Rick has other little pocket dimensions that serve whatever <laughs> petty functional need that he requires, whether it's powering his ship or just aging up wine or aging exactly. up other things, which <laughs> exactly. I think is real fun. The next question, Kyle. There was this mention of Rick having another assistant yeah. named Kyle. Who is Kyle? Who? <laughs> I love how dismissive he was. He's like, don't worry about that. <laughs> and I like the fact that Mr. Nimbus liked the other guy. But, you, but uh-huh. here's the thing about the character of Mr. Nimbus is he may have only been saying that just to be an asshole to Morty. You know what I mean? Oh, like, sure. Yeah, you know, that's possible. You know, like the way horrible bosses are always talking about their great old employees. Like uh-huh. the person who used to do this job. But uh, I don't know who Kyle is. I mean, it's. I, I hope we find out. They're never, they, they, I mean, they rarely seem to drop stuff like this without paying it off. So I don't know. Who, who do you yeah. think he is? I mean, I think this is another implication that, uh, like, it's not Morty because we know there's kind of a sacred connection between Rick and Morty. Mm-hmm. That, like, Morty has the inverse brain waves. So mm-hmm. it's not like Rick would have that with Kyle. I just think Rick has an additional assistant in some other timeline mm. or some other uh, reality mm. that, like, was that he kept on the side away from Morty. I right. mean, it could imply that in every reality there is a Kyle. There's a as Kyle well, and just that, waiting. And it's dust. just going to be... Like, I, you mentioned uh, having jobs... I've had jobs, like, working in the TV industry, mm-hmm. you do have these jobs where, like, your boss flies through assistants. Mm-hmm. And I know you've worked on an animated show, Tommy. Where yes, where boss- my boss flew through assistants and constantly told me about Kyle's. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My first uh, full-time job, I ha- I had assisted a Kyle, ah. and that Kyle was replacing another Kyle. Ah. And all we heard about was the old Kyles and how you're not as good as the other Kyle. Right, of course. Uh, Kyle is like the perfect name for that. <laughs> yeah. So I'm hoping that like Kyle in this is kind of like uh, in that movie Whiplash with J.K. Simmons. <laughs> yes. And you know how like Miles Teller plays a drummer at that uh, yeah. conservatory? Like he brings in the other crappier drummer yeah. just to make him <laughs> step up his game. Yes. Like and that. Drum- kind of sucks but he's just like got that shit-eating grin on his face like and he's so nice too jk's <laughs> yeah. so nice too he's like great right <laughs> i i hope we see more of kyle yes, i'm dying to too. know uh but the last thing i want to ask about tommy uh so season four ended with this big cliffhanger mm-hmm. of finding out that that whole beth clone arc from season three was legit and we have mm-hmm. space beth who mm-hmm. we think might be the original beth who's mm-hmm. like a rick like beth but also having this 
other Beth we've had, who we think is clone Beth, we don't know who who is who. Rick doesn't even know who is who. Mm-hmm. But it was implied that like Space Beth is going to be a thing on the show now. Mm-hmm. But she did not show up. No reference to her in this episode. Now, I know they wrote a ton of these episodes out ahead of time. Right. Not all of them are going to connect to continuity-wise. Mm-hmm. I assume we'll see Space Beth again. But what do you think happened to Space Beth after season four? I wonder from a practical standpoint if this just episode didn't include her and she's going to be in the next episode. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know what happened because I I think that it was made like clear that she was going to be a part of the show. So I I don't know. I guess I, I don't have a good answer for that. I, yeah. I, 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 I kind of just think it's like many things like when we watch like Probably next week we'll see her. <laughs> like, yeah, we know there's like a a Voltron episode coming up. We know mm-hmm. there's another Vindicators episode coming up. Mm-hmm. These are all plots that she could conceivably tie into. But I think that is the nature of this show. Like, the canonicity is never really the case. And right. there was a theory that every episode of Rick and Morty takes place in a different dimension. But we know that's not true. There is certain amounts of continuity to specific events that happen mm-hmm. with this particular Rick and Morty. We know from Rick Potion number nine that their dimension got destroyed. And they've been in this same dimension ever since then mm-hmm. uh, there's been specific episodes that have linked like it's it's not chaotic uh like simpsons like reset at right, the right, of every right. episode but like that also doesn't mean like you know the fact that evil morty was established this isn't a normal show where now evil morty's going to be the villain every episode mm-hmm. it's just going to show up when the writers feel like he's going to show up right right but nimbus had this interesting line about um diane and yeah. until now, we had thought Rick's whole uh, history with his wife, Diane, might have just been a bullshit story that he told the Federation just mm-hmm. to get out of that. Um, but now it's kind of implied that it's confirmed his wife was Diane. And right. That something happened to her. So how like how do you think Nimbus knows Diane? Do you think this is a true well, piece of backstory? You know, it's kind of implied that, you know, Rick and Nimbus not implied it's stated directly we're like friends first and then became enemies so i wonder in my mind the fun thing is like that nimbus and rick were like friends or like in their 20s and like Mm -hmm. nimbus knew diane well you know and maybe maybe knew her really well given mr nimbus's (laughs) uh yeah yeah. insane (laughs) sexual appetites (laughs) but uh yeah i think he definitely knew about diane i think he i think i think if diane is real and it is a real story or there's the chance that Rick once used Diane, uh, used his same, like, you know, talking about Diane to make uh, Mr. Nimbus take pity on him and spare him in the situation where he maybe <laughs> had the jump on him. And now Mr. Nimbus thinks that's some sort of uh, uh, negotiating currency with Rick, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. if I bring up Diane, that'll really upset him. And the truth is that Diane is just made up by Rick. Who knows? Rick yeah. is such a sick f- who knows, you know? <laughs> yeah, I don't think we'll ever... Uh, I kind of don't want them to ever uh, fully give us the story of Diane. I kind of yeah. like it being this implied uh, yeah. piece of humanity from his past that yes. Rick never truly And it's explores. a fun TV trope that like they're kind of making fun of, of when shows reference a thing, and then they... Right. And then, I mean, they do often pay it off in the most unsatisfying way, so it's right. like... 
Never do it. Just never just have it always be Diane. Like, what is Yeah. Well, we'll call it there for this episode of Rick Explained. Uh, so the Easter egg breakdown of all the little details that you might have missed this episode will come out tomorrow. And Tommy and I are going to be back next week to react to episode two of season five. It yes. is off to a great start. I love this show. I didn't realize how much I missed it and I know. how densely packed it is with jokes. Like, so it good. puts all other TV shows to shame in that regard. It really does. Well, be sure to follow Tommy at Tommy Bechtold on all social media. You can follow me at EA Voss, follow new rock stars, subscribe to Rick Explained wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for watching, and we'll close with our favorite moment of the episode. Oh shit, he's real! He's real! I was wrong! I was so wrong! God is real! <laughs>